0: You're listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast, whether this is your first time joining me or your hundredth. Thank you for being here and being a part of this important conversation. In June 2018, I was tired of being asked by the intuitive eating groups to take my conversations about intermittent fasting elsewhere. At the same time, the conversation in the intermittent fasting community wasn't addressing the emotional and spiritual needs of my IF lifestyle. Before I knew it, the intuitively intermittent Facebook group was up and running, and I started this podcast. I am super excited to bring you the personal stories of folks who are combining intuitive eating and intermittent fasting successfully and really creating lives that bring them joy and meaning. everybody, Andrea here with the Intuitively Intermittent podcast, and today I am talking to Susanna Juteau. Susanna is a registered dietitian uh, that I met online uh, on Instagram, I think, where she, um, I don't know, you, you gram, I don't know what you would say that is, but you're at Fast with Fact. Is that right?
1: Did I get that right? Yeah. So I've changed it a couple of times. It's only fast with facts, but now I put periods in between the fast with facts and then an underscore RD. Perfect. Registered dietitian. Awesome. I Um, I don't know what the best best (laughs) handle is, but...
0: (laughs) You know what? We can change our minds. It's okay. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I am super excited to be talking to you today. um, And I... I know that we're going to have a great conversation and my listeners are going to learn a lot. So um, I guess let's let's get started by having you tell us a little bit about what led you to intermittent fasting in the first place.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely multifactorial, but it first started. Um, so I've been a dietitian for nine years. And when I, I used to work at a community health center where I was I led a lot of groups around nutrition and did some uh, one-on-one counseling. And the very first time I was I heard about intermittent fasting, someone had mentioned it in one of those one-on-one sessions, and I was like, uh, I have no idea what that is, and <laughs> I was like, I better look this up. And that was I don't know for three or four years ago, just when it was starting to get a bit of traction. So most people didn't know about it at that time. Um, So that was my first exposure. And unfortunately, at the time, I was just so busy with full time work, that uh, I didn't have time to go into the research myself. And so I didn't feel comfortable kind of going out of the normal, um, like nutrition counseling type path that were taught in school and everything, where intermittent fasting just just wasn't a part of the normal counseling. So, mm-hmm. and at the time, I I just didn't have time to do the research myself. So, um, I didn't look into it any further at that point. And so it then, sounds like
0: you were intrigued by it,
1: right. um,
0: but but you didn't actually spend any time researching it. It was more just a like a an introduction by word of mouth.
1: Exactly. And I was like, okay, I I just kind of blew it off as, oh, this is just, you know, another fad or um, like, I haven't heard of it. So it can't be much is is kind of what went through my mind at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then probably uh, a year later, I'd say that's when people really started asking questions about it. Um, so friends would ask me, I had some clients ask me, and I was like, okay, this is, this is something I need to look up for myself. And I, I want to make sure I'm answering questions properly. Mm-hmm. And so at, at the time I, I had moved to California, so I had resigned from my job. I was on maternity leave with uh, my second daughter, Jasmine. So I actually had some free time at that point to, look into the research for myself, and went through a lot of studies, uh, read quite a few books on the subject, or w- what books were available. There still aren't a lot of books, I wouldn't say. Um, but I just like dove head in and tried to learn everything I could about it. And- I, I have
0: a question for you, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, so you're a registered dietitian.
0: Does that mean that you have access to... Like academic journals and things that my listeners and myself don't have access to? Or ha- when you were doing your research, aside mm-hmm. from the books, are you accessing things that really anybody could look up?
1: Uh, so, some of both. So, some okay. of it was things that anyone could access. And then um, for me, I love going to the actual source. So, I do go to the journal articles. Okay. Say about half of the journal articles are accessible to the public, which okay. is. To kind of know where to access them. Uh, so say on PubMed, there's usually like a free uh HTML or free A uh, PDF that you can okay. access. And then there's the other half are are blocked or you have to purchase them. Um so my work around with that is I, I do um through my work I was able to access some of them. And then anytime I work with, I, I regularly mentor students, so students have access to all of these articles. So it. it's my workaround usually.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, um, yeah. so you were doing some research. Thanks for letting me interject there. I've been curious and you're the first person I've had the opportunity to ask. So, <laughs> um, so you were doing the research, reading the books, where did, what happened after that? Cause at this point you still weren't fasting yourself, right? You were just yeah. learning about it. Right. Okay. That's right. Okay.
1: So I was super compelled by the research. I found it very, um, very intriguing and very in-depth and just seeing all of the potential benefits that came with intermittent fasting. Uh, I also followed a lot of different researchers who are just so academically bright and uh, explained principles well or or just really understood the, the scientific knowledge beneath it, mm-hmm. that, that made me want to try it for myself. I also anecdotally, so this wasn't through research, but I saw a lot of uh, people say that fasting cured their headaches. And mm-hmm. for me, that was a really important piece mm-hmm. that made me want to try intermittent fasting.
0: Okay, so I I know um the reason for that, but would you mind sort of the the cliff notes version of why curing your headaches was important to you?
1: Yeah, so in 2013, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor a brain tumor on my brain stem, and I had to quickly go in for emergency surgery. And so uh after a 10-hour surgery to remove the, the most that they could get rid of, um, just the, the long-term effects from that surgery, or they're not really sure why, but I had, um, debilitating, like constant headaches for, until I started intermittent fasting. So, uh, they were largely controlled by medication after, um, after the first year after surgery, but I had to, take that medication every day. Otherwise I'd, I'd really suffer. Okay. Um, so, so that was my, that was my real why for, for trying fasting myself. So you, you had
0: the, the brain tumor, which if I recall correctly from your story, it was, it wasn't cancerous, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's the okay. like nine.
0: Okay. So that's, that's good. So I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> um, but the reason
1: why I'm here today. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we're certainly glad you are. Um, so that was in 2013. And so when did you finally try fasting for yourself? Now that you, you've you done the research, you've determined that mm-hmm. there was potential healing for your headaches. When did you finally start the intermittent fasting?
1: So it was a, a year and a half ago, just just under a year and a half ago that I started for myself. Okay. And what I started with, I started with the sixteen-eight protocol and it just, it wasn't enough um, to help with my headaches. And so, so then I, I just, so now I do 24 hour fast twice a week. And that is my, that is my kind of perfect spot for, for the headaches. After four weeks, I was able to cut down my headache medication to half. And by eight weeks, I was able to Cut off the medication completely, and I just haven't looked back since. That's awesome.
0: And so, just because um, you know, listeners will be able to listen to this podcast, you know, indefinitely. I want to sort of put a date. Right oh yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm thinking like it's probably around the time when I started. So I started in March of 2018, um, and you said it was been about a year and a half for you. So
1: yeah, yeah. So just a couple of months after you. Okay, yeah. awesome. I would say June was probably the time. Yeah. So I guess I want to shift gears a little bit
0: because, um, you know, the title of my podcast is intuitively intermittent. So I'm curious about digging into how you came to practice fasting and really know that it was a lifestyle for you rather than just a diet? And I guess maybe to lead into that, I feel like it's important to understand, like, did you have a history of dieting before you tried fasting or had you primarily not had not gotten on that roller coaster?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I hadn't okay. been on that roller coaster. Okay. And- um, yeah, and we can talk about that a bit deeper, um, maybe in a in a, an a upcoming episode.
0: We're already planning another episode. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, okay, so so you weren't you weren't on a diet roller coaster. You decided to try fasting for the headaches, but you still like needed to make sure it felt like a lifestyle. So, what was that process like for you? Like the trial and error and anything that I don't know. Just tell us about
1: it. Yeah. yeah. So a bit multifactorial again is, so because of, I can't say it's because of the headaches, but after surgery and after two pregnancies, I did gain, um, weight that I was uncomfortable with in my own body. Um, so I did attribute to fasting to, okay, well, I'll, I'll hopefully lose that weight. Um, and then I'd I'd say like the place where I felt like it was a freeing lifestyle was after a couple of weeks. So for me, I, I, some people don't have any symptoms at all when they first start fasting. And then I'd say 60% of us do have initial symptoms until our body adjusts to the new lifestyle and gets into that period of ketosis where, you know, a lot of the like my headaches got worse at the beginning and mm-hmm. then they got a lot better.
0: Yeah. So why does that happen? Because like, I feel like one of the, I'm inferring here, I've never heard this directly, but I'm imagining that one of the reasons why the intuitive eating community has such a hard time with fasting when we talk about it and, and claim that it's intuitive is because like people that do start intermittent fasting often complain about you know, the the transition and and the difficult nature of that transition. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on and why there is a transition period?
1: Yeah, so it's the transition happens as our liver glycogen depletes. So our body, um, as we eat food, it gets broken down into I mean, glucose pretty easily. And then that glucose is stored in our liver as glycogen. So that just means glucose storage. And then once our glycogen is filled up in the liver, then it gets stored in our fat cells. Okay. And so when we're fasting, the first thing that starts to go down is that liver glycogen. Mm -hmm. So as the liver glycogen gets used up, Uh, our body kind of resists that it wants full glycogen because it wants that storage for the times that we are in the famine state. Uh, So just evolutionary evolution, evolutionarily (laughs) uh, we have always had these periods of feast and famine. And so our body is just very well accustomed to um, storing our, our energy in ways that make up for that, that famine period. So when our body is using up that glycogen, it's, it's resisting. It wants you to have full, full glycogen and full, full fuel storage. Okay. So during that time, um, people tend to have a bit re- of resistance uh also as our our bodies reach towards those fat cells to use the fat as fuel and release ketones that's also a process that the body kind of resists for a bit until it gets used to it and used to using ketones as fuel mm-hmm. that once you get to that point which usually takes 2 to 3 weeks it really depends on the person some people get into that that point a bit faster um so once you get to that point, then then most of the symptom, symptoms seem to subside, and uh, you just feel this. Um, that's where the energy comes in. Uh, that's where people just start to feel really good and start to to love um, intermittent fasting. I
0: am. Um, I can share a story about that because I um, I think that my blood sugar was pretty stable when I finally tried intermittent fasting, but. I had been only fasting for like 12 hours. So I don't think I have ever really gotten into like a really well fasted state. And I remember the first couple of days after I started the intermittent fasting, I went through such a period of energy, like, like just like mm-hmm. like i can't even describe it like i came home one day i think it was a saturday morning and i came home and i was practically giddy and i'm like oh my god i have to work out <laughs> like, i had so much energy it was so exciting uh, and
1: you actually want to work out <laughs>
0: no and like that does not that's not me right um <laughs> so I, I definitely can attest to, um, the, the great energy. And, and I know like, I don't necessarily feel that, that same sort of high anymore, but I've also been doing it for a year and a half. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a little different, but yeah, to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my <laughs> it's new normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, we were talking a little bit about how you kind of came to find that place that wasn't, um, wasn't dying. Mm-hmm. um, So I don't know, was there more? Yeah, a
1: couple of of other points to that, actually? Uh, So my first point was that once I got past those like initial symptoms, then it and my body adjusted, then it felt like, okay, this is a lifestyle. Okay, this is, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for the right reasons. So part of that was headaches and um, being really in tune with my why. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, they want to lose weight for me it was really about my headaches and the the weight loss was like a hope if it happened great if not it didn't really matter uh another place another reason or way that i felt like it was more of a lifestyle was once one once my husband was on board uh like I, as i was researching i was sharing a lot of the research with him and he was super on board with it, and I was like, "Okay, this like for for me, his opinion really matters." So, um, so that was important to me. And also, as I realized how many well educated people that I respected were also fasting, like the more you get into kind of the research and just hear talking about it, you hear about how many other people are doing it around mm-hmm. you. Um, so that. I guess it was just validating or like, I felt justified that I was on the path to true health and longevity. Cause those, the people that I like respected and think are so smart. They're like, of course we're doing this too. So um, what's another so, uh, energy. So we talked about that a bit, but for me, that was possibly the most important right. thing because my energy before intermittent fasting, especially since my surgery, it was just not there. I mean I felt like I needed naps all the time uh, when I was when I was at work, I would like take my lunch break in my counseling room just so that I could have a nap uh, I'd get home from work and just be so exhausted that I didn't even. I, I felt kind of disconnected to my at the time I just had one daughter who was uh, almost two I guess but i i'd like I'd look forward to her bedtime and that's just not the parent that i I wanted to be. I really wanted to connect with her and enjoy playtime and enjoy those younger years like everyone always comes up to you like in grocery stores and oh you have to remember these years, and I just I was like, but I just need to get through these years is often what I would think. And, and just that mom exhaustion that everyone talks Mm -hmm. about, it just, it felt like that was a battle that I had to go through and that everyone goes through and the sleep exhaustion um, that I never really thought of it as a possibility of overcoming Mm -hmm. So when I started fasting and that energy came, I was like, this is the person that I'm supposed to be. This is the mother that I want to be. Um, and it just felt so right. And it felt like, of course, I'm going to be doing this oh, long term. Oh, that's awesome.
0: That That's really great. And like, I'm guessing, I mean, just based on what you've said, I'm inferring that you would have wanted to continue fasting, even if it had meant that you hadn't lost some weight because your headaches cleared up and you had so much more energy than you had thought possible. And like, I, you've heard mm-hmm. me ask this to a, you know, a bunch of people now, like, you know, if if you knew that you weren't gonna lose weight, would you still do it? And from what I'm hearing you say in your story, the answer is yes. Like you had benefits that far outweighed um anything else like that was your motivation it sounds like am i am, yeah well, definitely. um so let's thank you so much for sharing um your story i think that our listeners are going to you know get some really great insights from what you've shared i kind of want to shift gears a little bit and help my listeners think through their own journey a little bit so um what are some things that you think folks need to consider as they're looking to plan a potential fasting lifestyle for themselves. Like what kinds of things do they need to be thinking about?
1: Okay. So the fundamental the the number one most important thing in my mind is really being in tune with why your your deeper why. So most people are are first interested in in fasting for weight loss, at least the people that I I've come across, um, but the why is much deeper that than that. Like, it's often recommended that you go eight what is it eight steps deep or or really getting in tune as the why mm-hmm. to your why. Um. So, so if, if we take me for an example. Uh, So I wanted to lose 10 to 15 pounds. To me, that wasn't a big enough why. Um, For me, that's not a huge, it wasn't a huge pain point in my life. Um, Because my why, if if you ask me, okay, so why do you want to lose weight? And I'd say, okay, well, it's for my kids. And that's what most people answer, right? Uh, I want to lose weight for my kids to be healthy for my kids. In my case, that wasn't a deep enough why. Um, and really, it, it wasn't even, for a little while, I actually thought that that was a deep enough why of like, yes, that is, it is definitely for my kids. Um, but it wasn't quite authentic to me because like my kids who were one and three at the time when I first started fasting, they didn't care that I was 10 pounds overweight. Like I didn't have any health conditions or any real reason that the additional weight for my body was a problem. And I know for many people that is the case. So maybe that's where why is like, I want to get over this medical condition and that's a deeper why. And I want to get over that health condition for my, my family. So for me, just the weight wasn't a deep enough why. So they need to consider their why. Um, Okay. Yes. And then another reason or okay the other oh <laughs> getting creating a fashion plan oh, i lost track of, of my <laughs> my thought there um, so finding finding the best nutrition um for themselves too i think Often we're so focused on what is the best fasting window, uh, what is the best way to fast, uh, that we forget that the other piece of that is is how are you eating as well. Um, are you eating nutritious foods? Are you eating foods that are making you feel the best that you can feel? Um, and what else? Um, Thinking about what your ideal lo- life looks like as well, and setting things up for your ideal, like long-term okay. goals, uh, rather than what works for someone else, and, and lo- looking at what, um, what other people are doing, but really like tuning into to yourself. Okay, is really so important. I
0: want to dig into this just a little bit. Um, there's a few different things I could ask here, so let me, um, I guess let me start with, like. We we hear like you talked about it and I've heard other people talk about the quality of the food we're eating. So can you give us some insights into why that is important? Like not so much on like I don't I don't want to classify things as good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, but like when it when it comes to how our body processes it, how it um, you know, how it turns into the glycogen or whatever. I I don't know. I mean, you're more research on this stuff than I am. So I'll let you kind of guide things, but how does food quality play into how our body utilizes the nutrients and which ultimately like that does impact our fasting. Am I, am I
1: guessing correctly? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so (laughs) there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, and, and it's such like a, a a longer conversation, I guess. So I'm trying to think of of a good way to to summarize it. Well, but I, we needed. I, I was going to say maybe I
0: could ask a more specific question because, like, you know, we well, hear a lot about like processed carbs right. versus like whole whole grains and that kind of stuff. Does our does our body process them differently? That it impacts how how the nutrients get absorbed or how long, I don't know. Does it, does it fill up our glycogen bucket differently? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So first off um, with the refined grains or like say white flour um just, I mean, white flour is in so many things. So any of those processed foods, it's usually white flour and there just isn't much nutrition value in there. So you're eating the quantity of foods that you may need to feel full and everything, but then you're just not getting the micronutrients that your body needs. So your body's going to keep reaching for more and want more, more food in order to get those nutrients that it needs. But also, in terms of like the glycogen side of things, is that they're easily broken down. So, any processed foods, um, just you basically need saliva and they're broken down and then they go into your bloodstream right away and they fill up that glycogen right away. So, if you're eating a lot of processed foods or a lot of um, refined grains and um, just lower quality, I guess, overall then that glycogen is going to get filled up right away. And if you're doing that over and over, then the results of fasting um, will be less
0: effective. Okay, so let me, I think I can, I I think I can, um, I I help, it helps me to like summarize (laughs) it. So um, if I'm understanding what you said, it seems like, the refined grains sort of fill up our our glycogen bucket more quickly, which um, that glycogen bucket and like depleting that bucket is ultimately what helps us to get into that really well-fasted state. And so if we're constantly filling up our bucket, it's going to take longer for it to be depleted so that we can actually get into the fat-burning state where we're running off the ketones. Did I kind of summarize that correctly? And so like, as we're thinking about the refined grains, even if it's the same number of carbs per se, like on a numerical sense, the fact that it's, it's the fact that it's unrefined, it actually takes our body longer to process them. And so the bucket, the glycogen bucket doesn't get refilled as quickly. Did I summarize that? Okay. (laughs)
1: uh (laughs) yes and no um so like the the more whole grains and stuff they can if you're eating the exact same quantity and stuff um then it would fill up the the bucket but it would take longer and in that time you're feeling more full so you don't eat the food it's it's more that you don't end up eating the same amount i guess so because you're full on the fiber and you're full on like you're you're your body is getting the nutrients that it needs so it feels full a bit earlier and you feel satisfied rather than having. So the other part of it is that those refined, um, the refined grains and the sugar that comes along with those refined grains is that it gives you the, the sugar spikes and the insulin spikes, which then result in a, a slump and those, um, the blood sugars high and lows is is also what causes you to have more sugar cravings and then it's kind of just that vicious circle that you're constantly feeding those those high mm-hmm. high so lows. that's
0: like the um it, like it's um like that's when we would think of like that getting hangry kind of thing where we're so hungry that's probably related to like a, a major dip in blood sugar and then we're craving something because our body knows that it's going to be able to process that sugar really quickly. And then we'll have that, the blood sugar will will spike. So we'll have more energy, but then it's going to drop again real quick. Am I, so it's like this cycle that we're on. Um, and so the refined carbs, it sounds like contribute to that, that spike and that decline in a way that the, the unrefined carbs don't contribute to as much. Right. Okay. And yeah. and I, I guess I wanna just make sure um that it's that I'm being hundred percent clear to my listeners and like I I don't want anyone to go into an eating experience with the sense of good or bad, right? Like there's there's choices that we can we can make. Mm-hmm. And,
1: there, and there's room, there's room for everything. For anything, that's, yeah. That's like, another, like I have absolutely no foods that I don't eat except flavored yogurt. And that's because <laughs> they don't like it. So like, there's absolutely nothing that I say, no, I can't have that. Um, I think there's, I really think there's room for everything. It's just how much you have it and really being in tune with your, your body and saying like, do I want it? There's a lot of things that I just am not interested in because I know it doesn't yeah. make me feel good. So um, so yeah. And I, I think that's so
0: it. important because like there's so many things that we sort of, uh, you know, our diet culture has convinced us that we just need to avoid altogether. But then we actually want them more because we can't have them. And then as soon as we sort of release that, that burden and know that it's accessible, well, then we can actually make a choice. <laughs> um And and like I'm picturing Mm -hmm. that when people work with you or when people do their own journeys, like part of being able to tune into their bodies is to get a sense for how their body reacts to different things and then to be able to make a choice differently, like a perfect – perfect example from my own experience just this past week it was my mother's my mother-in-law's birthday and we had our favorite ice cream and we had some homemade cookies right and we love to do like homemade cookies with ice mm. cream and it's just delicious well I
1: mm.
0: I didn't limit myself right and I would have said that I I you know I I wasn't eating past full and I was like you know I was being intuitive and then I woke up the next morning and I felt like crap and, and it wasn't like oh no like I, I didn't regret it per se, but it was more a lesson. Like, okay, maybe I didn't need that third cookie. <laughs> and and that's just a choice, okay. right? Like I don't have to beat myself up, but I can make a different choice. And so like I'm not Yeah, you can take this yeah, experience I don't and need, you need to swear off of sugar completely. Yeah. I just might decide that I don't feel better if I, I do it to that same extent. <laughs> um, so Let's see. We talked a little bit oh, yeah. about um, knowing your deeper why. We talked a little bit about some of the food considerations. Um, like, what do you think gets in people's way? Like, okay, so they let's say they've got the perfect um, they've got the perfect fasting plan that works for their lifestyle, and they've got the foods that make them feel good. What other kinds of things tend to sabotage people? as they're heading down this journey?
1: So I think mindset is a really big one there. Um, and having expectations is, is another um, one. So by expectations, I mean, for, especially for anyone who has dieted in the past, I think often they go into intermittent fasting hoping that this is the solution and I feel like it is for ev- for a lot of people. It is a, a, it is an excellent solution, but then the expectation is set that they will lose weight and they're, they're so focused on the weight that they, they lose the other benefits and they're um, not in touch with those, mm-hmm. those other benefits for their body. Um, and and that comes back to being in tune with your why in that the why should be something deeper than the weight because the weight will come off slowly in the long run. For some people, it takes a few months for them to lose weight. Other people it's quick. And, and that's just a very individual, um, some individual reasoning behind that. But I think a lot of people kind of get discouraged and say, "Oh, this isn't working for me," when they're not in tune with with their their yeah. deeper their deeper why.
0: Yeah, I mean, what definitely. Um
1: that?
0: like I was on the diet roller coaster for so long and, you know, I shared on um the a podcast that I did with with Jen Stevens about how my journey actually included weight gain. And if if I had still been right. on that sort of diet roller coaster, I would have abandoned it and gone out looking for the next Mm. diet that was just better than the one I had walked away from, but wasn't going to result in weight gain. And like, that was, that was, um, my healing, like my deeper why is really wanting to have freedom. And so any decision that I, Mm. I make is based on peace and, If like right now for the first time in my life, probably I have been at a stable weight for like eight months and I'm not tracking anything. (laughs) Like I'm just going, I'm going about my life. Like it's true Uh peace. Right. And, um, I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this. Um, like I've seen in, I've seen various places like people talk about fasting, but then on top of it, they talk about like explicit calorie counting or explicit macro counting. And I'm not talking about like, you know, for some people, fasting does result in eating fewer calories. And for some people, like you can still eat the same amount of food. Like I feel like, you know, you can tune into your hunger and your needs and, you know, whatever. Like I feel like people have different needs, right? But do you have? Any thoughts on why explicit tracking of things within a person's eating window is or isn't advised? Is that something that you have an opinion on?
1: Yes, and I think this is the main reason why I connected to you right away is that I love your viewpoint, is that just eating intuitively is so important that it's not that it's I think just calorie counting in general is just not a way to live that is not the food piece Mm -hmm. and the freedom that we all seek when we're really talking about it is that we want to just live normally and not have to think about every morsel of food that we put in our mouths and really track everything and like we just want overall Mm -hmm. that food freedom and I'm overall I I feel I am one of of I'm a very lucky person in that I've never gone through that dieting roller coaster that Mm -hmm. we mentioned at the at the beginning never done the calorie counting and that's what really got me interested in nutrition in the first place is that I wanted to help people get mm. to that place as well, where they, I mean, I was lucky to always be in that place. I, I think just because I, I grew up in a household where, um, you know, my my mom never needed to diet or was always very, I mean talked about just eating normally mm. and, and it was mm-hmm. never a thing I guess and <laughs> dieting was a thing in our in our family even aunts and uncles and stuff so I wasn't exposed to it the way that m- many people in the world are exposed to dieting so it just wasn't part mm-hmm. of my um, my mentality so I've always wanted to help people get to that mm-hmm. place too of the the food freedom. And, and that's why I love your podcast and I love your messaging because I, oh, I really feel like thank that's, you. I appreciate that's so important that. for everyone.
0: Um, that was not expected. I'm not paying her for that uh, little testimony there. <laughs> Completely <laughs> out
1: <outplayed. laughs> um,
0: Well, I know, I know that you're working on something really exciting and I want to make sure that my listeners get a chance to hear a little bit about it. Uh, so I guess, um, What I, you're working on, as I understand it, you're working on a really comprehensive group coaching program. So let's start by talking about, Mm -hmm. like, who, who would be a good fit for this program? Like, is there sort of a checklist of if I meet these criteria, then this might be able to help me?
1: Um. So, what's most important for this for this program that I'm I'm about to launch, um, I I'm making the focus about wanting to increase your energy, um, because I find that is just such a good reason for fasting. Fasting increases our energy f- through s- many various m- methods. Um, but I know so many friends and um, family members and clients who Mm. want to connect more with their kids. Um, And the limitation is that Mm. they just don't have the energy. And then some of the secondary reasoning that we go to often is, Oh, it's because of my weight that I don't want to get on the floor and, and play with them. Or I'm just too tired after work. And, I just find that the fundamental part there is always we need to, we want more energy. Um, When we get home from work, we want energy to instead of just mindlessly going on our phone and kind of detaching because we're so tired after work that um, if we had some more energy, we could really kind of connect and have enjoy our lives a bit more and do all the things, the, all the goals that we want to, that we want to do. So that is, that is the first step for my program is, do you feel you need to increase your energy? If yes, then, then and that is would really that, the, the only criteria. Would you, criteria. Um, would you say that and, um,
0: and your, that. your ideal clients are going to be moms like is that kind of who you're targeting with this program
1: right now? Yeah, I think um that's one of the ways that this program is really unique is that I am looking to to work with a small group of moms because uh, we all have our own our own challenges as moms um with kids at home that it's nice to be able to talk through those mm-hmm. with a group of women who understand the struggle. Um, so so and yeah, I think it, is, too, it like, is for a group I mean, of mean mean, I, I exactly.
0: can speak from my own experience with this is like one of the reasons it was so important for me to stop the cycle of dieting was that I wanted to be a good role model for my son. And I knew that the best way for me to role model healthy eating healthy eating habits for him was to learn how to do it myself. And so I think that having a group of moms in your program who possibly have that as sort of a, a common interest is going to be really, really valuable, right? Like we, by doing this work and healing our relationships with food, we are changing our world, right? Like, cause we are impacting our kids who will impact their kids. And it's just like, we can change the fabric of society <laughs> by, by doing this
1: work. Um, Actually, that's a, that's, a, that's yes. a legacy worth fighting for, right? That's, that's something that we can be proud of to pass on to our kids and, and, establish a really good relationship with food with them as well. And I, I find that's a, a discussion, a deeper discussion that takes many conversations to, to wrap our heads around like how, Mm -hmm. how, how fasting can help with that. Um, and, and finding a right fasting protocol for your lifestyle, uh, can really, really help heal that relationship with food and pass on, a healthy okay. relationship so we've with got food to to your you've family. got
0: moms who want more energy they um you know they might be a good fit for your program what what are your like outcomes at, as your program comes to an end like what can these um moms that need more energy expect to get out of the program when it's all over with? Like, I know you talked about having um, a fasting protocol that really fits their lifestyle. Um, It sounds like you Mm -hmm. are also going to do some work around mindset and maybe, like, some some routines. Like, tell us a little bit about what all is included Mm -hmm. in your program.
1: Yeah, so what you mentioned and then, uh, looking at their, their meals as well. And, uh, tailing, tailoring their, their meals to kind of the individual person. Um, and we also talk about meal planning, uh, so that there's no like scrambling last minute for meals. Um, cause, oh cause that's kind of just the life of a mom is that we're, we have so much on our plate and that we're often, feeling overwhelmed. So it's kind of finding that peace, um, around mealtime, around our personal meals, our meals for our kids, and then creating an energizing daily routine, a monthly plan to maximize our time with our family and do all the things that we plan, have always planned to do as we saw ourselves being moms, I think we all have these goals in mind. Like I want to do this with my kids. I want, you know, to, to go on these fun adventures and just have, you know, lots of time laughing together and, and enjoying our time. And uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. we just don't plan that, that into our lives. Uh, So a lot of questions around that. And then another big, big piece is um, mindset work, um, getting out of thoughts of like self doubt and negativity in all areas of our our life, so not just our health, but around career, uh, love relationships, mm. um, money that that's all important as well. So it's really um, yeah kind of a all inclusive program is really the way that I designed it is that instead of just looking at one small piece of say only looking at what you're eating or even what your fasting is about because there are a lot of kind of courses out there I guess like teaching you how to fast properly but this is much more of an all-inclusive program where we're we're looking um, that we're working together and um, personalizing things so that it your whole mm, that sounds so amazing. Like very comprehensive, which I
0: love. Um, I wanna mm-hmm. like when I I wanna um address like one of my stereotypes or misconceptions maybe about nutritionists, um, generally or di- dietitians, um, has been around like it's gonna be about a food plan and I'm gonna have specific, you know, specific things I need to eat. And I just it sounds mm-hmm. like what you're describing is not like that at all. It sounds like you're going to help, you're going to help folks figure out a fasting plan that really works for them. You're going to help folks figure out what foods and all of that stuff. Like you're not going to prescribe something to them. Although I imagine that you could give some guidance, but that's not like, it's not prescriptive, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's more exploratory. Right.
1: Yes, because it's really important that mm. people, like we don't all fit in a box, right? Not everyone can, you know, follow this meal plan. And here's a a meal formula. You have to eat this food and this, or you need this amount of vegetables, and uh, you need a cup of this. You know, that's so mm-hmm. prescriptive, and that doesn't work for everyone. Let alone long term, that is just not not a real solution. Um, and I've definitely. In, in my career tried those those avenues and it just it's it's not it's not sustainable that it's that's just another type of plan that isn't sustainable and meal plans in in general um, and definitely as dietitians we talk about this all the time that people often come to us wanting a meal plan and then we we aim Mm. to work with them so that they don't need a meal plan, but rather like find their, their customized. Uh, But it's so interesting that so many people think that's what they want. And then when it comes down to it, they might get their meal plan and then they follow it for two days and then they realize, okay, well, this doesn't really work for my life. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, and then it's on to the next thing. Um, so, meal plans just in general don't tend to, to make it. Yeah, and I, a I feel like, you know, just a to real, touch on a that a little bit overall. more,
0: like, I feel like with a meal plan, just as with the numerous diets I tried, it's a set of rules. And as soon as there's rules imposed, there's also this inclination mm-hmm. for our bodies to fight back and rebel against those rules. And so, no wonder, like, you think you want the rules because they're easy to follow, but then as soon as you start following them, you're like, screw this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. And so you kind of, oh, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we all rebel against rules, whether it's or around parents giving rules. Like, it's just, it's, sort of, yes. it's second nature. Yes, and, and, and moms are going to rebel, understand that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're already finding it. I mean, oh, you, you God, learn yeah. that even a one-year-old <laughs> loves to rebel, um, so. I guess
0: I wanna, I wanna sort of wrap up here, <laughs> and I want to make sure my listeners understand um, how to pursue this if it's something that sounds like it might interest them. And I know, um, I know from talking with you that you're offering some phone calls, but I also know from our conversations that this isn't just simply a sales pitch, right? Like no one wants to get on a phone call with the, with the goal of being sold to. And I know philosophically, that's not what having a phone call with you is about. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about what someone would expect to get out of a call if they wanted to talk to you about this um, and see if it was a
1: good fit? Yeah. uh, So i've I've been kind of toying with the idea like is it a strategy call? is it a discovery call? And I think strategy makes a bit more sense in that I really want to um, hear about someone's struggles and make an action plan together to to see what their next steps are and it doesn't have to be my program like I I have lots of ideas of routes that, that people can go uh, depending on what their, their goals are and what they're looking for. And if they want to learn more about the program, I'm happy to to talk about that. But I just really enjoy being on the phone with people and learning about what is their vision, what are their goals, and how mm-hmm. can... I help them get there, um, or how can I kind of guide them in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Just yeah, and I mean philosophically, our next
0: step to take. Is. We're so aligned with our goals when it comes to having calls with pr- prospective clients. Like at the end of the day, we are on their side, and if if learning about our program and potentially working with us, I'm saying our, because, you know, I do coaching as well, but and learning about your program and um, working mm-hmm. with you, if that's something that might be able to help them accomplish their goals, great. Then you can talk about it. But, if you don't think it would be a good fit for some reason or they don't want to explore it, it sounds like you have other resources that you could provide that would allow them to go forward and still have more information than they had went before they talked to you. Uh, Yeah.
1: Most definitely because there are just amazing programs everywhere and Mm -hmm. we all have kind of our, our little spin on things and not, I mean, not everyone is going to be the right fit for my program. So it's it's really learning about the individual and seeing what they're looking for and then trying to yes. guide them in the yes, direction love that they that. can find um, so, what they're looking um, we're for. we're going to include a link to learn
0: more about your program in the show notes. Um, do, it, do you know, like, just so you say it, like, do you know it off the top of your head that you can say it? Is it something that's easy to say or do, should we just put it in the show notes?
1: <laughs> Better put it in the show notes. I actually can't. Okay. <laughs> put the name of the pages right now. It's a bit, it's one of those bit longer uh, URLs. Nope. So I have to find a way to shorten that, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> Something that I can Well, I know the name of your program, if I recall, right. is
0: what? Fasting for Freedom? Is that right? Okay. Which I love, love that.
1: that. Yes. Fasting for Freedom which is so funny because there we go it's perfectly aligned with your work as well we're we're all seeking freedom we're all seeking yes. peace and that is, and so, is really um, the, the so end if somebody goal wants is, to
0: is have so a conversation with you sure. and come up with a game plan whether it includes your program or not they can click on the link in the show notes to learn more and to book a call with you if they just want to engage more with you and your work what is the best way for them to do that where should they go to learn more about
1: that um probably instagram or facebook i post a bit more regularly on instagram um And, and that's fast with, I think if you just search fast with facts, then I should come up. There's definitely no one else called fast with facts and then you don't have to worry about the periods and the underscore. So they can find you on Instagram. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, They can use the link in the show notes to book a call with you and explore the program and come up with an action plan. And um, I, there was so much good information in this today and I, Really, um, I respect your level of, (laughs) the word that's coming to mind is learnedness. Like, how old do I sound when I say that? (laughs) Like, I I live in the Philadelphia area, and, like, I'm pretty sure there's plaques from, like, Ben Franklin's time that talks about how learned somebody was. So, yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah, hilarious. right. But
1: I I appreciate how much <laughs>
0: research you've done and how you have taken your background and really used it to create um, a program that can transform moms' lives. Like it is going to have such an impact, and I'm just really excited to yeah. see where this goes and continue, you know, to follow your work and. Um, and collaborate, and I just I thank you for your time, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Do you have any?
1: <laughs> well, thank you for having, Chris. Thank you for having such a great platform for people to. I don't know to you know share their experiences, and really that intuitive eating and in combination with intermittent fasting is just mm-hmm. it's. It's so powerful. And I'm really happy that you have your Facebook group and that you have this this podcast, because I I feel like that's the deeper conversation that um, Mm -hmm. everyone we should all be having with ourselves is, is that. Yeah. Intuitive, no. Nope. There's intuitive not many people having that bodies. conversation, it's so I'm really
0: grateful that you that you are one of the people that are. Um, so, yeah, thanks for your time tonight, and we'll have to, uh, as you alluded to uh, earlier in the episode, we'll have to find another opportunity to to do this again soon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, there we go. We will continue. Well, chatting thanks for your for time, Susanna. Many years to come. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Intuitively Intermittent podcast. If you would like to join in a community of like-minded fasters, uh, come on over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group and join the conversation there I look forward to seeing you just answer a few questions and I'll let you in the group and you can be a part of the amazing community that I'm building Uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon.